It's Dragon Slayer. No, no, I mean Dragon Slayer. It's not, it's not Dragon, I'm sorry. It's the Coco Show. Hi everybody, welcome to the Coco Show. I'm Spirit of the Wheel John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're gonna be talking about Dragon Slayer. Oh man. So Aaron, when was the last time you thought about slaying a dragon? Well, you know, this the as we gotta talk about the name of this game. Yeah. It's Dragon Slayer, right? Mm. This came out in 84. So Dragon's Lair was already out. Gutsy decision. It was a movie that did the same thing. Really? There's a movie called Dragon Slayer. Oh. Which I didn't like all that much, if I'm honest. Was it like Conan? Well, no. It was like a, it was like a lower rent Beastmaster. I'd be a better way to put it. Mm. It was not. It was not the best. But weren't there like six Beastmasters? There were, but there's only one good one. The first one. The first one was great. Mm. I will say that one of the other ones had Kari Wurr in it as the hot chick. Wasn't she nude most of the time in that movie? I don't know. I don't remember that. Seems like I'd remember that. So I I'm feel like say I read no. that somewhere. Maybe I don't know. Um, now, when you talk about what what separates your Beastmaster from your Conan? Well, I mean, I love both those movies. In fact, I really love Beastmaster, actually. So, there, But, I mean, there is a step down in how much money was spent. Okay. Is my point. So, Conan had, like, James Earl Jones. Like, it had, uh, 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 who's that? The ba Will Chamberlain was in it. Are you like that. It was one of the Conan movies, oh, yeah. Man. He played the huge, tall, black guy. <laughs> Duh. He was I a big, guess. huge, no, I mean, he's, he's big. He looks like a big, murderous guy, you know. But so, but those movies had like top shelf stars. Does Conan scene. have too much violence for me? I've never seen it. <sighs> eh, I don't know. Ugh, the, I get the two movies confused. There were two, right? And the one that I remember the most, James Earl Jones plays this cult leader. And the best, my favorite scene in all the movies, he's like talking about how powerful, how powerful he is. And Conan, of course, is this big buff killer. Mm -hmm. And James Earl Jones is this tubby older guy mm -hmm. with long, lush hair. I really? will say that in the movie. Okay. And so he goes, you don't know what power is, Conan. You're dumb, and which is true. And he goes, hey, hot chick. He goes, she's up on the upper rim of this, like, canyon. He goes, come here. She's like, all right. She just walks right off the cliff and falls to her death. Oh, my gosh. She's, he's like, that's the power right wow. there. Conan's like, hmm. And he starts slashing people, you know. <laughs> There's also a dude with a big, huge hammer in it. Mm -hmm. They just wax guys. I mean, it's mm -hmm. huge, like it's like doink size, comically huge mm -hmm. hammer. I like that. Is there a lot of, like, Harryhausen animation in Conan? No, there's no Harry. There's no, well, they're not fighting mythical beasts. In there. See, I always thought that was what Conan did. Well, that's funny. I think there's a bit where he fights like a giant snake. And right. And I think about it. But, but it's not stop motion. I don't remember. It's been so long as I saw it. I don't remember. The soundtrack's awesome, too. But you get yeah. your Beastmaster. I believe it was Mark Singer in that as the Beastmaster. And the Beastmaster, he's like, I mean, look at the two of them together. All right. Conan was playing with like a big, huge guy. Brr. Mark Singer, meh, not as big, S smaller. He's probably a better actor, but he's got animals and stuff in it. And, oh, so you know, he's the Beastmaster in that he can control You've never animals. seen Beastmaster? No. You see, because he was born in the belly of a cow, I believe. Oh, yeah, it was magical. That's weird. It happens. That'll happen sometimes. Yeah. And and then, but he has, like, carries around ferrets. He controls birds, and he's got, like, a pet, like, lion How or something, or panther. He's got a pack. He's got like a shoulder pack. He, they, really? Yeah. And they just, they're happy to and be they're, there. Oh, yeah. They, he talks to them, is my point. And he can huh. see through that. So he's like Dr. Doolittle. No, he's, he's more, no. Well, I mean, it's like Dr. Doolittle couldn't have had a kid. Right. That's that what was I mean. born in a cow. That's not the worst idea for a movie. Yeah. I mean, maybe. But I'm saying it was a cool, it was, I'm saying, look, 
Buck knows the names, Kodo and Podo. That's their name. The little guys have names, mm-hmm. and they do all kinds of stuff. They bite guys on the butt or in the groin. Oh, They'll see, steal I keys like that. and stuff, you know. So that's kind of cool. It's a it's a good flick. So you it's watch like a it. comic adventure. I mean, it's not funny. Oh. It's not ha ha funny okay. either. But it can be amusing. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, he's a he's a nice guy, but he's a beast master. I like that. And gimmick. that's his trait. So it's not like it's not like Highlander. There are multiple Beastmasters. No, that's the only one. He's the only guy okay. that does it. It's not like he went to I trade know, school. I don't know how many other dudes were born in the belly of a cow. Yeah. I guess that's what did it. And I assume he can order around cows at will. But now, it's never son. Even when he's talking to the animals, the animals don't speak back in English, right? They don't speak at all because right. they're animals. That's what I was asking. They, they didn't. Well, the ferret's like, "Hey, Beastmaster, right. well, I, I bit like, that guy on the butt." Well, I was you. wondering if it was like a Milo and Otis. Thing. Do you want to talk to the thing that just bit a dude in the groin? <laughs> well, I mean, how'd you do there, Podo? Man, I bit him good. Here's how I did it. It's like I don't want to hear that, Podo. No, TMI. You know, or like the eagle scratches the dude's eyes. I just see me get that guy's eyeball. It's like I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> mm. Okay. That's it. None of this has anything to do with this game. Well, let's talk about this game. Shall we? Let's do it. So, it's Dragon Slayer, again, uh, released in 1984 on Coco. Get this. Programmed by Olaf Schroeder. Olaf Schroeder Boat. What okay. do you think about that? It's a great name. Yeah. So I, I And it's unique. Right? So, I looked all over. Mm-hmm. What else has this guy done? And I consulted the Oracle. Al Curtis, Curtis Boyle. Boyle. Yeah, mm-hmm. all hail. Even Curtis didn't know anything about this guy. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get hold of him. Mm-hmm. I, he, as far as I could tell, this is the only game this guy ever did in, like, anywhere. So if, you, if you're listening to this or watching this and you know Olaf or know where what else he's done, drop us a comment because we've been looking. And, and Curtis says they'd love to have this guy on the show mm-hmm. over there. Uh, this was released by our favorite Tom Mix software. You gotta love Tom Mix. Oh yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for Tom Mix, do you think the Coco would have lasted as a commercial entity as long as it did? They didn't hurt. Let's yeah. just put it that way. They've all those clones and stuff. So uh, this thing, uh, when it came out, was t- uh, released on disc and tape. Uh, it was twenty nine ninety five on disc, and the tape was twenty four ninety five. Kind of pricey, like you mentioned, but that's the way you do it. Uh, this will work. On a Coke, a color computer, one, two, or three with 32K of RAM, and you don't have to have a joystick to play. You, in fact, I didn't play it with a joystick. I played it with a keyboard. I, I tried both. But you can play with a joystick. Well, good. We'll get you. You played this on your actual Coco. I, I did. Yeah, good. So, listen, I, pr- I want to talk about the backstory to this game because both sit here and watch me go through and get the story. So, this, I hunted down the documentation for this. By the way, L. Curtis Boyle told me he bought this. And his scans, the ones that are floating around. So that's oh, just, that, of course, okay. that's because he's Elker's boy. Right. So get this. Here's the story. It's, it's even labeled this in the book. The story behind Dragon Slayer. <laughs> in the majestic mountains of Pindor lies a string of comfortable villages. Mm. In a cave on one of the mountains lives a bloodthirsty dragon, which villagers greatly fear. They live in dread each day, wondering if the dragon will swoop down to devour them. That seems like it would... Take away a little of the comfort in the village. I'd probably move away. The dragon lives... <laughs> I know you would. The dragon lives in a lair full of blistering and bubbling lava. Man, he needs to move away. Yeah, the lakes surrounding his lair ripple red as fire beneath the terrible beating of his wings. His eyes glare like two green emeralds, mm. and his nostrils belch forth venomous flames. You ever belch through your nostrils? I do, and it's not good. It's not a good time. you got to give Olaf credit. This is some great aid uh, stuff good here writing, so far. Yeah. 
the ferocious serpent lives in his bloody lair. He's really putting his lair over. <laughs> uh, filled with an insatiable hunger. Hearing of this bloodthirsty dragon, Icarus, a strong man, scarred with many fights and carrying a blade of magical strength and sharpness, comes to the village. He has come to conquer this terrible dragon, knowing that the magical nature of the dragon's blood will spread good health and prosperity <laughs> through the villages of Pindor. That's a new one. Wow. Now, proceed onward to the dragon's dungeons and conquer. Okay. Come on, that's a good one there. That's a good open. That makes you excited to play it. Yeah, this guy went to the Tolkien school. of He's, he's spicing this thing mm -hmm. up with everything. You can strap onto this thing. So, listen, we've played a lot of Coco games over the years, Boat. This one is sort of in a class unto itself, in my opinion, because uh, this game is a uh, is a flip screen adventure game. Now you would think to yourself, my guy's name is Icarus. Mm -hmm. I'm here to kill a dragon. What am I going to look like? Maybe I'm going to look like the Lionheart guy. Or you look like Icarus that flew too close to the sun. That's right. Yeah. But one thing you probably weren't thinking is I'm going to look like someone put a Devo hat on a pair of legs. But by God, that's what Olaf was <laughs> and thinking. And slap some googly eyes on the that's hat. Right. That's right. you got to have the googly as you can see. Your guy uh, putters around the uh, boards. as the, I mean, clearly, this is an icon representation of the actual guy. I'm assuming he's not going to the dragon. He represents like. a triangle-like species. Yeah. No, not that. That's not good. So... Uh, when this game comes up, it plays a little ditty. It's got a title screen, and it gives you the option of keyboard or joystick. Again, I chose the, the keyboard. We'll talk about the differences of the joystick when you get to it. This game has multiple keyboard commands that you need to know. Uh, if you're playing on keyboard, up, down, left, right moves your guy, and spacebar picks up or drops an object. You can carry one object around. There's other things. If you want him to, he'll keep walking perpetually unless you stop him. Mm -hmm. If you hit enter, but he'll stop. But you can stop him if you if you if you if you tap the other way, it'll stop. Well, on the keyboard, you have to hit enter. Okay. If you you can also control how fast he moves. There's slow, medium, and fast, which is dandy. I love that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, one, two, or three. It's the docks. Mm. And so if like there's a lot of backtracking in this oh, game. Yeah. And so if once you've went through and say built a bridge somewhere or laid down some rope. You, if you have to go all the way across the entire map, you want to go as fast as you can. You hit the number three or the number one, and he'll rock it through the See, game. See, that would have been good to know. That, there you go. That's, that's what I'm here for, Boat. I'm here to help the people. So this game is actually very clever because it takes place in an underground layer, and you're tasked with basically getting through 160 levels to get to the dragon in this. All right? Uh, there are 16 screens over 10 levels. Now, before we get too far into this boat, I looked around to see what kind of footage was available, but I picked out the footage ahead that had gotten the furthest. However, this game is woefully underrepresented on, on YouTube, and there I got further. I wish I'd recorded the game. I got further than the furthest footage got, and I didn't even get more than 20 screens in. It's a long game. Uh, and it, this is one, if you're gonna, someone's going to play it and put it up, maybe I'll have to go through and try it again and sit down and play it and put it up. Maybe you can do it. But it's, it's, it's underrepresented, and I think if people knew about it, they'd be more interested in it. So you go through the game, to, and you overcome obstacles just to get further into the dungeon. It's one of those deals. But when this game popped up, you saw the music, you saw the opening screen, you tooled around with it for a bit. What were your first thoughts? Uh, I was pleased. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's all we can ask. Yeah, uh, I like games like this. Yeah. Uh, I like a good flip screen adventure game. Uh, I could tell from the get-go that this was not going to be a Manic Miner style flip screen platformer. This yeah. is, is going to be a game where you can kind of take your time a little bit more. And this is a game where you're manipulating inventory without the hassle of platforming. Yeah. You know, that's my, my big complaint with the Dizzy games is that sometimes the platforming kind of gets in the way of the puzzle solving and it makes you not want to play the game anymore. Uh, this game is a straight up adventure game. Uh, there are no platforming elements other than the fact that you're just moving around. Right, right, absolutely. So your guy, Icarus, on his own, carries nothing until you pick something up. There's tons of stuff to pick up in this game, tons and tons. And I, I do question the era this came from because one of the things you can pick up is a flashlight. So I don't know how that works <laughs> into the mix. But oh, just to give you an example of some of the things in the game, you will see uh, planks laying all over the place, planks of wood. Uh, you can pick this plank up with a space bar or a button, go to a place that has a gap in the ramp, and, you're, and when you go over it, he'll just lay down the plank. Mm -hmm. You can't go get two planks or three planks. You get one thing at a time. So you may come across a ring that needs rope. So if you, if you go down and pick up a coil of rope, he will automatically hang the rope, and you'll be able to ascend down or descend, say, down the rope. It's pretty much that simple. Now, it, you get into some pretty odd stuff, including uh, stuff like a seed that you could actually water to mm -hmm. make grow. We mentioned the flashlight, which we'll get to that in a minute. He also comes across tons and tons of bags of cash. Right. That's, that functions as your score in the game. And by the way, the, the cash bags are your classic cartoon-style cash mm -hmm. bags. It's just a bag with a money sign on it. <laughs> you know, like cash comes in. Me and Boat are looking at the uh, at the manual here, and the manual is great because all the items that are hand-drawn by, assumably, the guy that made the Look game. Look at the way that the sword is rendered for a yeah. second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish we could show this. So it's, it's cute. It's It really is cute to think that this guy, Olaf, sat around he wrote this manual out and he doodled out all the shapes in the game. Speaking of anachronistic items, Raid is also in this game. Yeah. Like a can of Raid. Yeah, to kill it. There's a spider yeah. you got to kill yeah. early on. So the game's puzzle elements are getting keys to go through doors, getting planks to go over gaps. Sometimes the gaps are one plank deep. Sometimes they're up five planks. You have to go going back and forth and carrying wood mm -hmm. all over the thing. Life. Sometimes you've got to get buckets of water. Sometimes you'll come to water. You better have picked up a life preserver. Mm -hmm. Now, this game, like I mentioned, it's not what I would call accurate to the Middle Ages or the or Dungeons and Dragon times, but it's not silly. I mean, it is, but it's not because your guy's a little hat. <laughs> but I mean, it's it doesn't feel like a comedy game. It's serious. It's just, it's also the objects you pick up are just sort of nutty. They're out of time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go the other way on that. I think that this is meant to be a lighthearted romp. It is lighthearted, but I mean, I don't think it's silly. I think it's, uh, the puzzles in it are pretty they're pretty good, actually, I have to say. Well, here's the things that I like about this game. Yeah. One, I like the little dude, okay? Yeah, he is cute. The world has enough of humanoid-looking protagonists. You know, we yeah. need more little Devo hats running around out there. Yeah. Okay? Number two, I love the way the inventory works in this game because you pick up an item, or you push the button to pick up an item. Yeah. You push the button again to drop an item. If you need to use an item, you don't need to look for a use command. It will automatically use itself. And there's no way that you 
can screw stuff up. Like you can't put a rope where a rope doesn't go and then you've wasted the rope. Yeah. Uh, so I really love the way that the inventory works in this game and that makes the puzzle solving element, it's weird, you know, I, I didn't get far enough. I guess at some point you're supposed to water the seed on the sidewalk yeah. to make a vine grow. That's true. Um, I, know I didn't get that far in the game. The puzzles, I, in that that I were it wasn't really like the puzzles were not really puzzles. It's more just like maybe like logical choices. Like how do I get through this thing? Um, the biggest thing with this game, and I played this game a lot, is that I would die before I would get confused by a puzzle. And you die in this game sometimes by your own hand, or sometimes by a, a monster's hand, but most of the time not. Most of the time you die when you get impatient, okay? In this game, like you said, it involves a lot of backtracking. I did, was not aware of the speed control in this game, so I was, I was backtracking back at normal speed. And a lot of times you're literally going from like the furthest point that you've been to in the game back to the very first screen. Yeah. And I get impatient. And so when I'm climbing down a ladder, I'm like, all right, it's time to get off this ladder. And I would get off too soon and I would fall to my death. They made some choices, or Olaf made a couple choices that I would not have made. Now, I'm not, you're right. The one thing I hated in this is when you accidentally left the ladder too early and died, even if you're not that far off the ground. Um, I'm going to assume that somewhere further into the game, the fall element means something. I would hope that he didn't just put that in there just to have it in there because it's annoying. I, too, hated that, and I wish... I wish you could not have... It would make the game zippier if you could just jump off the ladders and just go on without having to worry about mm -hmm. it. Okay, so I didn't. I will say, if this game has a flaw, that right there, that and the backtracking of the flaw, this isn't the kind of game you're going to want to... This is not the kind of game that you're going to sit down and play uh, in 15 minutes. It takes a long time to play by design. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go into this with that in mind. Now, with all that said... You're talking 10 levels of si uh, 10 different levels of 16 screens. That's a lot. It's a lot of screens. And that, and you get a lot of of all the games I put in the Coke. I don't think I've ever gotten the, the that exploration bump like I did in this. I really felt like I was going somewhere new. And I love games where you open up more of the level when you do stuff. It's, you get a real nice uh, buzz when you do that. You know, mm -hmm. you know, you get across the bridge. Well, what you're describing is Metroidvania. Maybe, yeah. I mean, this is my speed. Right. I liked Metroid, the first one. I liked it a lot. I thought it was good. Uh, so I'm not gonna. It's not an insult to me, but it works. Yeah, I'm not, it's not an insult. I don't to know anybody, when, when did Metroid come out. It was, it was on the NES. It was '87. And, and so this actually, I'm not saying this is the father of Metroid. No, but I mean, yes, but the, I mean the, yeah, way, right. the way that you open up different areas of the map yeah. by doing different things is, I mean, that's that's a that's a good gameplay loop. And something else that I like about this is. With the exception, there are some bad guys. Your guy, again, can't defend himself by default. And so to fight the bad guys, you have to pick up a knife or a sword. Mm -hmm. And um, you know just to not go near them if you don't have it. They're going right. to come right at and you. And again, the game did not put in an unnecessarily bad Ooh. combat mechanic. Yeah. Once you have the sword, you just run into the enemy. The sword disappears, and yeah. you move on with your life. Yeah. This from this right here is uh, again. I'm not sure where Olaf is from. It doesn't sound like he's from the U.S., but he might be. I don't know. But this is definitely uh, more of a game that I would get into as an American than some of the stuff we put on the ZX. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a few things because there's a there's a logic to this game that I enjoy. There, I mean, you're right. Okay, here's a bunch of water. 
I look in the manual, it says here there's a bucket around. So I know I can go, or I, there's also a life preserver. I know how to get past that. Here's high grass, okay, there's some boots. Here's this and that. There, and so you at least know right away, okay, here's what I need to look for. And then it's a matter of how can I get to what I need to go further. Right. And what what puzzles do I have to solve to ultimately get to where I want to go? Right. And when you can summarize your objectives that quickly and you can understand them, that's the kind of game I can get into. So I'm not now, that confused. Let me ask you a question. If this game had an inventory system where you could hold, say, five items at a time, do you think the enjoyment would have been less? I you don't. Think, okay. I like it like it is, mm -hmm. uh, like you said. And the reason, first of all, that is the game. Mm -hmm. If they'd had more, if you'd had more inventory, it would have broke the game. Mm -hmm. It would have to be a different game. Uh, so, I mean, how cool are you with backtrack? Did you get? I mean, you said you got irritated with all the backtracking. Well, if you no, all, I, I didn't. I didn't get irritated by it, but I got impatient. And that's when that led to my death. For example, like I could have overcome the uh, like and what I would do is I would move items on subsequent playthroughs. I would move items to closer to where I needed yeah. them. I never left a room with an item in it that if I didn't have anything in inventory, I'd move right. it automatically. Right. And so fall. like I think that's okay. But it's the fall damage. It's this, this the yeah. needless deaths that was the most irritating. Something thing. else that will happen, and this happened to me more than a few times, is when you're laying down like a bridge of planks. Whenever you go across an empty spot, it'll automatically lay down a plank. But if you go too far, you'll just die. Right. You got to do the old shuffle. With and the so that, I wish you would just stop. Mm -hmm. Because in real life, you wouldn't just wander off into the abyss. Right. Or exactly. into a fire pit exactly. or whatever. I thought the graphics, I mean, again, we're talking about the cocoa here. But I thought the graphics, I think it's like four-color boat, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I think they were pleasant. The pseudo 3D aspect works. Mm -hmm. It works good. Mm -hmm. The uh, the level flipping is fine. Uh, the screens are clever. The puzzles, I thought, were fun. You know, th this is this is not dissimilar to uh, Montezuma's Revenge on the old Atari 8-bit. It's well. I mean, Montezuma's. There are some similarities, including yeah. the not, not the dark part, and it's sort of like the the, the vast labyrinth. Now that game is an action yeah. game. Yeah, but know, yeah, but I can see where you're going. And there, speaking of that, when there are parts of this game that are dark, you can't mm -hmm. see them, and so to get through them, you have to go get a flashlight to go find one. And when you do that, it sprays a little light in front of Icarus that you use. And it's a real nice effect. Mm -hmm. It darkens everything black, but when you shine a light on it, it's still sort of dim. Right. It's an excellent effect, right. I thought, the uh, the uh, flashlight. Listen, I'm just going to put my cards on the table here, Boat. I think this is one of the best things we've played on this show. I liked almost, with the exception of the fall damage, and I wish uh, you get three lives in this. Now, on my version of this, I saw, I didn't try it, but there's a thing called Cheat, and I'm assuming if I ran cheat, I would have unlimited lives. This would have, I would have enjoyed this more than unlimited lives. Of course, you'd be cheating, and it also rendered your score null and void. Uh, but it would, it would at least, uh, it would at least keep you from being frustrated by dying over and over and over. Uh, with all that said, though, uh, uh, I think this is a, a keeper. It also, we didn't mention this, but aside from the three lives, this tells you what the room number you're in. It also tells you your score and what you're carrying. And there's none of this, like, uh, the name of the game yeah, takes up a, a third very, of the screen. It's a it's, very efficient HUD. They've and this, So it's all game. The mm -hmm. screen is all game here, which is nice. The sound effects is the, your old favorite, the little fart noise as he walks. Yeah. <laughs> but it fits this character. Oh, yeah. Like, if yeah. we didn't have that noise, it'd be disappointing. I didn't have a problem with the sound in this game yeah. at all. Yeah, a little tune that opens it up, it opens it up is nice. 
you know, um, where would you put this one, Boat, your Pantheon? This is a, this is one of the better games. This is a game, it kind of reminds me of an, a game, another game on the Atari uh, computer that I used to play called Sh not Seamus 1, but Seamus Part 2. Yeah. This is a not very often played game, but I had it. And uh, it's another game where you're kind of exploring this vast world. And when I played games like this as a kid, I would have not had the docks because it would have been pirated. Yeah. And I would have thought, well, this is probably just the biggest thing in the world. And this thing goes on forever. You yeah. know, you get this feeling. I would have loved this as a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, as an adult, I also love it because I'm mm -hmm. sort of a big dumb kid now. Uh, but I, I think this is great. It, everything I like about a Coca game, the fact that it's 32K and has all this real estate. Yeah. And all the, I think there's almost like 20 different pickups and obstacles. I mean, I, it all works. And the funny thing is, you know, the, getting back to the character Icarus's look, this sort of reminds me of when I used to play Venture. I loved Venture, the arcade game, but you were your icon was this happy face with a bone air hanging. It looked dumb. It looked dumb. But when you play these games back in the day, you knew you weren't going to get Dirk the Daring out there. Right. So a little icon that represented you was fine. Yeah, and this is way better than Venture, let's be fair. Well, I mean, not much I, could be worse I than like happy both, face with the bone air. Oh, you mean the character? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not that much better, really, is he? Well, but he is more better. amusing. Yeah. He looks like, like why, aren't there, why aren't there 3D prints of this guy? Right. There's your moneymaker, Coco Fest. Yeah. I want a 3D print of this guy to put on my desk. Mm -hmm. now, that's awesome. That's all you need. Um, I looked into uh, some reviews. We said we're hard to come by, but Curtis did uh, kick me over to a, a look at this in Rainbow. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll read the summary here. They say, all in all, Dragon Slayer is a game that provides countless hours of fun and challenge for practically everyone. The game, while designed for adults, is equally suitable for children and could even help them learn basic puzzle solving. On a scale of 1 to 5, Dragon's Lair gets a 4. Dragon's Lair expertly combines arcade action with strategy exploration and challenging puzzles, making it easy to play but hard to master. Good graphics in 160 different rooms further enhance the game. That's from... Uh, uh, Talinas uh, in uh, Dragon Magazine, uh, January edition of 87, Boat. High praise indeed. Did we get any action on Discord on this one, Boat? We did. We did. L. Curtis Boyle, the one and only, left a review. He said, Dragon Slayer is a game that I personally bought at Rainbow Fest in 1986 Love after it. seeing it in person and trying it out. We had all read the 160 screen part of the ad, which put it on par with games like Time Bandit and ahead of others like Cashman or Downland. But what really hooked me trying it was the combination of arcade and adventure and role-playing elements. There are a variety of objects scattered throughout each of the 16 screens per level, and then 10 levels that almost all have a purpose. A sword to kill an enemy, planks to build bridges, flashlights to see in dark areas, etc. And some that you have to do a few things with, like a bucket that you have to find water to fill, and then water a seed to grow a vine that you can climb. Some parts have to be done in a certain order, others you have multiple ways to get past. And at the very end, you have to slay the dragon himself. This is not a game you will master in an evening. You have to roughly map out things and keep at least a cursory track of where certain items are so that you know where, what order to do some things in. You can also die from falls, although you can fall a little bit and still live. An original game that's the only one that Olaf Schroeder did, as far as I know, that has a lot of replayability. One of the Coco's best hidden gems. I give it 8.5 out of 10. The only two drawbacks are the controls can seem a little fussy at times and the sound is minimal. But I can forgive those for the fun puzzle-solving arcade action with 160 screens crammed into 32K of RAM. 
Uh, here's a little bit of trivia from Curtis. A completely different author was working on a remake of this game specifically with Coco 3 enhanced graphics, and we even saw screenshots with the new graphics, but the author stopped and disappeared. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer. That's too bad. Well, maybe he's with Olaf somewhere. Maybe so. Listen, this is a winner. If you haven't tried this one, uh, I, I beseech you, give this a shot. I don't think you're going to be too disappointed in this one, Boat. I think we both can agree this is a big, big, big thumbs up. Yes, yes. Are you ready to take the plunge into the exciting world of the Tandy Color Computer? Have you tried emulation and found it to be confusing and unreliable? What the hell is Bitbanger? It's time to get yourself a real Coco and get yourself over to RetroRewind.ca to get it out with everything you need to enter the Coco universe. The Coco SDC is the fastest, easiest way to jump into the nirvana that is gaming on the Tandy Color Computer. A preloaded SD card is already included, so just pop it in your Coco and away you go. Pick up your Coco SDC at Retro Rewind and be sure to use the promo code AMIGOS10 to save 10% off the already low price. Thank you to RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring the Coco Show. All right, Aaron, as we come to a close of uh, Dragon Slayer, first of all, we need to give a shout-out to the Coco Game Selection Committee. These guys choose all the games we play, and they are the pillars of the Coco community. Mm. A big Tandy thank you to Canadian Retro Things, L. Curtis Boyle, oh, Robert yeah. Murphy, and Steve Rasmussen. All fine, man. Now, Aaron, uh, you know, we've done a lot of things on, on the show. And we're not proud of. Yep. Uh, you Most. know, we, we resurrected what was probably the only working um, copy of that voice module. I mean, there can't be that many of those things, and we did it. We did it. We you made know it happen. You know all these guys have one of those. Generally. No, I don't, I don't think so. Listen, just the fact that we got to work was a, a big victory for us. But I think our biggest accomplishment is yet to come, because, Aaron, in a little bit more than a month, we are going to be hitting the road Taking a drive down to the Chicagoland area oh, man. <laughs> for Coco Fest 2023. We're in. We're in. We're in. Uh, Coco Fest, uh, you will know about if you are listening to this show, so there's no need to sell it. But, you know, if you want to uh, hang out with Frank from Retro Rewind, if you want to jam on your guitar into the wee hours of the morning with L. Curtis Boyle, or if you want to see me and Aaron make a fool of ourselves performing the Coco Show live on the main stage. Yeah. Head on over to CocoFest.org. I don't know. I just made that URL up. <laughs> it's probably some Glenside it's, URL. It's exactly what Glenside it is. Glenside slash Coco. We'll put it in the links down at the bottom. Don't worry. You can uh, you can get yourself some tickets because guess what? They're free. Yeah. It's a free event. That's a good deal. Sponsored by RetroRewind.ca. And, uh, and listen, just come hang out, play some Coco. Uh, we want to see you guys out there. I can't wait to meet. You know, we, I see a lot of these guys on the nation, as you know. Yeah. But we've never met in the flesh. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm going to make it a point to garb and stomp Paco Itake yeah. when I get there. It'll be uh, fun. The event will be streamed, Edvin, but not by us. Coco, the Coco Fest crew provides their own stream of festivities. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we hope to see you there. So it's uh, glensideccc.com. Check it out. The last Coco Fest. It rolls off the tongue. Yes. Now, Aaron, before we bid a fond farewell to, uh, to Dragon Slayer, listeners, we want to hear your feedback. 
please feel free to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, if you could leave a uh, little comment down there about what you think about Dragon Slayer, that really helps uh, get more this video out in front of more people. Uh, and of course, if you want to listen to this on your earphones, uh, we release this everywhere podcasts are listened to. Uh, we want to give a special shout out to our Coco Show supporter Roll Call. Both them and the selection committee are helping us reach our goal of getting to $200 a month in Patreon support and making the Coco Show a weekly endeavor. Thank that would you. That would be awesome. Thank you to Mr. Dave, 6309, Buttons, and William Becker. Aaron, what Thank are we going to be playing next time? This is an Aaron choice right here. Yes, That's yes. an Aaron choice. He demanded it, and we delivered. I've been waiting. It's the Whirly Bird Run. Whirly Bird Run. You ever heard of this one? Is this a game where you simulate the flight of an oak leaf? No. It's where you pound the ground with a gun and bombs. Wow. It's a death, death race. It's a murderous... It's a murderous helicopter rampage. Oh, okay. That sounds like fun. What were you talking about? Like, you know, the little things that come down off the trees? What would the game be in that? Well, you Go can, try to make a tree? You control, yeah, you control your dodging leaves. They'd have crap. no control. They're they're literally leaves on the wind. Well, it's like glider. It'd be more like a demo for the Coco if it was that one. No, this is going to be much cooler. Okay. This is going to be dealing death old school. And I mean the oldest of old school. I can't wait to play it. Guys, thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next time. And until then, all hail. El Curtis Boyle. Home. Home. Home.